0: With that as well, we've been going through the Book of Ephesians through the fall, and we're not going to finish it because of uh, we are um, the holidays coming up, and then in January and February we're going to do the Explore God Chicago uh, initiative. where over 700 churches are involved all around the Chicagoland area, and a number of them ours, and some in Plano uh, as well. And so, but we will come back. So we're going to end at it, 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 the middle of chapter five, so we won't finish it today. Next week. Then we'll do um, some Christmas, some Advent uh, messages, and then we'll come back in March, and we'll do, pick it up there, and we'll do some talk about faith and family, which is what the last part of Ephesians is about, and faith and work as we close it out. But this morning, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God. And Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for your word. or thanks for bringing us back together for another week. Thanks for your goodness to us. Thanks for the truth of your word. So Holy Spirit, I pray you. Just help remove every distraction that you would hear. Help us to hear from your word this morning. That it would convict and encourage us. Lord, we pray for Dell and Betty this morning as they just had a rough week, and I pray for his health and strength and Betty's encouragement. You just give them great grace and peace and comfort them. But Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. J.R. Tolkien in The Lord of the Rings had one of the characters say this, it's a dangerous business Frodo going out your door. You step on the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. It's very dangerous to go out your door. So if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. In Ephesians, we have been over and over told in the last section of this to watch your walk. Paul said in 4.1, Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you, like he's sitting down pleading with you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then verse 17 says, now I say to this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And this is the lifestyle of our old ways apart from Christ. And then verse 14, it says, so that you may no longer, this is the reason why he wants us to watch our walk, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human human cunning, by craftiness or in deceitful schemes, because he wants us to grow up in Christ, which is what Ephesians is all about. And the way that we grow up is listening to the body of Christ through and hearing the word of God. And in 1 Peter 1, verses 19 through 21, it says... This, but with the precious blood, like the lamb without blemish or spot, says this in Second Peter chapter two, verses nineteen. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to you, which will do what, which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing that first of all that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the holy scriptures. And 2 Timothy says all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness. So how do we keep our feet? How do we not step off the road spiritually? How do we keep our feet and not get swept Away, it's by listening to the word of God. And Paul in Ephesians was telling this church and the churches to remember things, and then halfway through, it became very practical, and he says to them very practical things to participate. In. And over and over again, the way we keep our feet, he keeps reminding us is to remember to participate in God's grace. All over Ephesians is the word therefore. As you read through the first half, it's there, therefore. He keeps saying therefore, keep looking back. Remember what I just got done saying. He, he set the whole culture of what we, what we have as Christians. And he says again in verse five, after saying watch your walk, and then he pauses again, he says therefore, be imitators of God. Which is unbelievable. He, he says, remember who you are in Christ. What Everything that I said about you, that you've been called by Christ, that you have been blessed by Christ, that, that, that God called you to himself, that the Father called you, and that Jesus gave his life for you, and the Holy Spirit seals you. He says, therefore, be imitators of God. N- never get away from that. This is an amazing call for us to participate in. He he says, you human beings that I had to rescue, I want you to be imitators of God. And the reason that we can do it, he said, over and over in the first part of Ephesians is because of what we have in the gospel. If the gospel's dull to you, or if you've lost the music of the gospel, be very careful how you walk. You'll be easily swept away. Paul keeps reminding them, therefore, keep looking back and remember what we have in Christ. It's the person of God who's in you now. It's God in you. The Holy Spirit's in you. And it's a protection for us. It's, we're called to be imitators of God, the life of God in us and as beloved children of God. It's a God who loves us and it's a God who likes us. And he gave himself for us. God is the one that def- defines what this is supposed to look like. He-, he says, be imitators of God. And this is how you be an imitator of God, by walking in love. But it's not just any love that you want to create or decide what love is. It's a love that's defined by God himself. And he says, it's a, it's a love a, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. It's the same word in, in Earlier, he said that where those who weren't followers of Christ, who were going their own way, they gave themselves up to walking a wrong way. He says, give yourself, give yourselves to loving the way God defined love. And love is defined by God, and he defines it this way. Walk as people who are all about self-sacrifice. Giving themselves is Christ gave himself and we participate in this. God called us to this. He he called you to this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he called you, because he loved you to participate in his grace. And he says, be an imitator of God. And walk in love. Walk in sacrificial love as defined by God. And, and then he goes again really practical. And he says, how do you keep your feet? As you're walking in love this way, how do you not get swept away? You do it by walking in love in the sacri- self-sacrificing way that Christ loved you. And not in a self-indulgent way in sensuality. Because then he just says, but, walk this way, but don't walk this way. But, wa- but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the, the saints. So he says, participate in God's grace because it's a gift of God to you. Know the love of God. Your lives would be radically changed, he's saying, if the more you know how much God loves you, it would radically change your life. If you don't know how much God loves you, spend all day today reading about how much God loves you. It changes everything for you. and changes everything for us. Participate in God's grace and then practice the conduct of of grace, and he says, "Live this way." And he talks about sexual immorality, and he talks about impurity, he talks about covetousness, and it's real easy if we're not careful to look at this and say, "Yeah, we we, we aren't supposed to walk that way." That's how those who aren't with Christ walk. But he's talking to. Christians he's talking to believers he's addressing Christians in the, in this he says but sexuality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you why would he talk to the Christians about it because it's an issue that they have to deal with and it's an issue that they still still deal with there's there's a problem with the word love today it's so overused it's just used all the time that we it means almost nothing anymore and so We feel, and the world and the culture will say, we get to define how love is to be defined. And God says, no, you don't. I created you, I called you, I made you, I loved you, and I showed you what true love is by self-sacrificing, by self-sacrifice. Now, you don't get to live self-indulgently. That's not love. And he's writing to Christians about this. Because there's a great pressure, and this pressure was unbelievably felt in the church of Ephesus. If you look back at the culture of the day, people will say, well, the world's just gone crazy when it comes to sexuality and sexual issues. The, the culture that these Christians in Ephesus with was far worse than our culture today. Was, it's was far, far worse than all, our culture today. And so Paul was addressing people who came out of a culture who said sexuality and self-indulgent is a good thing. You should you should explore it to the max. They had a massive temple of Princess Diana who she was just this goddess of prostitution and there's a sexual, was rampant in this culture. Any type of sexual behavior was accepted in norm in many ways and it was encouraged They lived in a very bizarre culture sexually, which is in many ways the culture that we live in and turning more into. It's the problem, he says, is don't live this way. But there's this pressure. There's this pressure for those Christians to come out of this culture to a counterculture world, which Christianity is. It's a turning from one way and living life a completely different way. And there was this pressure. They felt it, and we felt it, don't don't we? We feel it. We see it everywhere. There's a massive confusion today in our culture about what love is and how it's supposed to be expressed. And so he says, "But, but sexual immorality and all impurity and covetous, it shouldn't be named among you." There was a time, even in our culture in my, for me, where people would say, "Oh, it's just sex. It doesn't really mean anything. And, and what's the big deal? If you were a college student like I was in the 90s or in high school, and you remember the whole scandal of our political system in the early 90s, and, and the, the world was saying, hey, what's the big deal what the president does? The world's laughing at us for that kind of stuff. That's not the way the world thinks about it anymore. The, the world is, talks about it a lot, Sex matters. People know that. And in the last couple of years, we hear more about it. It's not just okay. And if you haven't sat with somebody whose life has been devastated by these issues, we miss it. But Paul says, and the word that we hear over and over in all, all culture, our culture today when it comes to sexual issues is just devastation, devastation, devastation. Uh, The the news is telling us that the, the free love culture of sex and however you want to do it is okay says one thing, but if the evening news, all you've heard for the last year is no, it just creates devastation and more devastation and devastation. And Paul says don't live this way. He says God gave a description of the way it's supposed to be when it comes to our sexuality, and he gives it in Ephesians chapter five, verse thirty. He says, "Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. God defined proper sexual union is between a man and a woman in marriage. Anything outside of that, Paul says is sexual immorality and all impurity. And he says these practices need to be eliminated. They shouldn't be named among us. But sexual immorality, which the word is pornea, which is where we get our word pornography, is all about our culture, isn't it? It's everywhere you look. The average age for a young person, boy or girl, to first look at pornography now is nine years old. Just take that in for a second. 9 years old is that th- that's that's the age and it's not just a m- male issue it's a female issue and it's becoming more and more of a issue and it's this idea that you can separate intimacy from the person that your body is over here, and your emotions and your soul is over here, and you can separate the two. And our culture is realizing, no, you can't. You absolutely can't. Because God created bodies and souls, and he put them together, and Jesus became human flesh, and he is still in human flesh. And it's the God that dwells with us. Your body matters. And Paul says, listen, but sexual immorality and all impurity are in They mustn't be named among you. There was an interview in Rolling Stone magazine in what is our hookup culture today. A woman, a girl named Naomi said, people assume that there are two very distinct elements in a relationship, one emotional and one sexual, and they pretend that they are are like clear lines between them. But they're not. The news is telling us they're not. Over and over we're being told that they're not. Miley Cyrus said... Sex is easy. You can find someone to have sex with in five seconds. What we want to find is someone we can talk to and be ourselves with. That's fairly slim pickings. You know what that means? It means that there's this, in all of us this deep sense that it's, there is more, that life is more, that sex matters. The world knows it matters, Christians know it matters. And Paul says, But sexuality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as is proper for the saints. This is one benefit of preaching through a text of Scripture. I wouldn't normally pick this for the first Sunday of Advent. But it's in the Bible because God wants us to know these things because this is what we are facing. He says, these. Practice the conduct of grace. Sexual immorality is why it says in Psalms 119, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Impurity is the idea of the word has anything that is outside of the realm of what God created, man and woman in marriage for life. Anything outside of that is sexual Impurity and covetousness, which in, in a sense in this context is the idea of this indulgence. So just do it however you want. Just be sexually indulgent until you feed your satisfaction and people can't get satisfied. In the Wednesday word on this Wednesday, we're gonna, it's going to be on this subject, and I'll have a ton of resources for you that I could say in Temple here and quote, but I'll just let you read them. The world tells us this matters. But far too many Christians, and we have sometimes let it swing too far. I, I talked to young couples and was sitting there ready to get married. And, and, and they, they've been living with each other for a long time. But are you a Christian? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. They have so separated the idea of their bodies from their soul. And Paul says, you can't. They both matter. And so these things aren't supposed to be together. Sexual immorality, and he tells it because people deal with this, and everybody in this room struggles with this. It's every man's battle and every woman's battle in our culture. And we are to fight against it. Practice the conduct of grace. Get rid of these things. He says, don't even let it be something you talk or joke about or entertain yourself with. When you watch certain things on TV that portray this as a Christian, if it's entertaining you, check yourself. And say, does that want my, do I want my son in that? Would I want my daughter in this show? Would I, would I be thrilled to watch this with my grandkids? Or my grandkids were on that show? That's what Paul's saying. He's, these things shouldn't be even part of our, 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 our what we joke about. This this is the battle we all face. It surrounds us constantly. And and there's not just that, he says, and covetousness with, which does have sexual indulgence, but just the general idea of covetousness, greed, which is idolatry. He says, someone said, greediness are those who, with a strong desire to acquire for themselves more and more money and possessions because they love, trust, and obey wealth rather than God. That's all impurity, he says. That, that, that's covetousness, where you're, you're all about money, all about possessions, all about gathering more because you love, trust, and obey wealth rather than God. And, and Paul says, be very careful how you walk. Keep your feet. Because in the culture we live in, it will tell you, when it comes to sexual things, go this direction, and it'll swipe you, wipe you away. When it comes to gathering possessions and money and power, it'll... Swipe you away. We have to keep our feet. There's consequences to this, he says. He's writing to Christians, but he says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And he says, for you may be very sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. He's writing this to Christians. He says there's consequences to this. If, you're, if, you're, if you say you're a Christian and you live an indulgent life and that's what your life is characterized by, there isn't any fight against it, there's no resistance, the consequences are you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You're really not a follower of Jesus Christ. But if you're in the fight, which everybody in this room hopefully is, and you feel yourself being swayed to these things, and the temptations are hard, isn't there? The pressure is everywhere. In two seconds, all of us could look at all kinds of impurity on your phone, just like that. If there's no fight to you, if there's no fight in that, and you're, ex- you're fine with that, and you're, you think it's fine, and you accept it, it doesn't bother you, Read Ephesians five slowly. If you say you're a Christian, if you're okay with sleeping around and you think that's fine with you, and you're okay with it, and you say you're a Christian, read Ephesians five. But if if you're in the fight, if you're in the fight, and you say it's not fine with me, I'm not fine with this, but it it, it does attract me because I'm in the I'm in this culture, and I've got to fight this, and I got to fight these feelings that I feel and these desires that I have, and you're in the fight. Then the church is where we can discuss it. Don't feel that you have to hide from it. This is what Paul's saying. He's exposing this to the light and say, "This is where the fight's supposed to take place. This is how we grow up in Christ." So if you're in the fight as a teenager or a a man or a woman, and you're like, I, if, "If anybody found out about this, they would think that I'm not a Christian." It's not true. If you love it and hide it, that's the problem. But if you're in the fight and say, I need help with this. i got to fight impurity. i got to fight these feelings. I'm not sure what to do with them. I'm not even sure how. Then this is where we should be able to come as Christians and say to each other, let's practice the conduct of grace together. I'll tell you really what's going on. Let me tell you really what I'm thinking. Here's really my computer. Here's really my phone. I need help to fight with this. We need to practice this grace. We need a course correction. James 1.8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And Paul says, Fight for this. Walk this way. live, Have a course correction in purity. And here's what's going to take place. Here's what will take place for you. If you're a single person, don't, don't, don't sell your life away for fleeting moments that you think don't matter. They do matter. Don't, let, don't, don't don't let your mind get filled with stuff you think doesn't matter. it does matter. What we're called to is purity and here's what it'll give for you. here's what it will do for you. But the reason Paul wants you to have this is he wants you to practice the conduct, of grace, because as you cont- as you as you live in a way that's going to be glorifying to, to God, you're you're going to have great clarity in your life. You're going to have confidence. You're going to have courage. You're going to feel clean. You're going to ha- you're going to have connections. One of the things that people say in our culture that is because of the way that it is, nobody knows how to talk to each other anymore. Nobody knows how to date each other. It's all about one thing. It's not about conversation. It's not about connection. But living a life the way God described it and fighting for it and is going to give us clarity, it'll give you confidence. You'll, you'll feel clean. You'll be able to connect with people in new ways. You'll, you'll have a consistency. There will be this contagious gratitude. That's what Paul says. Don't let these things be what make up your life, but let your conversation be about thankfulness. Seems like an odd thing to say. Why thankfulness? Because we will see What Jesus has done for us and it gives us this contagious gratitude and will give a complexion of joy. I mean, you all know it. If you've struggled in some area morally, and you hit it and you're a Christian and you're fighting for it, you don't feel clean, you don't feel courageous, you don't feel this complexion of joy, you don't feel gratitude, you feel this weight of burden. And Paul says, fight for this. Have this Fight to be clean because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Participate in this grace. That's how you keep your feet. And it matters. What should we look like? How, how do we keep continue to keep our feet there? there? Therefore, do not become partners with them. He says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are Light. we we got to change things around. we got to change our opinion of them. We were that way, one way. We were that way. We were once darkness. We had no hope in us. But now because of what Christ has done for us, we are light. But now you're in the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And he says what it's supposed to look like. He says it's supposed to be goodness and righteousness and three things that are true and try to discern what is pleasing in the Lord, this changes things. This this will radically change things. It will change your relationships. If you say, I I was one way, and now because of Christ I'm in the light, I need to walk in the light. I need to be radically walking in light. It's not because of what I've done, it's because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And it says, walk as children of the light and try to discern what is pleasing in the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works, but instead expose them. We are supposed to speak into what's not true. We're supposed to expose it. That's what light does. It exposes things. But how does it expose it? How do we as Christians live in the culture that we live in, who people think that everything I just got done saying is ridiculous, not necessary? But we know it is necessary, and we know it's not ridiculous. We feel it. The world feels it. They just don't want to accept the answer to it. But we know the answer. So how, how do we share it in a way that people find it compelling? We live it. We live clean lives. We live lives in such a way that people look at us and see there is something about the complexion of their life that gives them joy. I mean, they don't do the things that we do. And, and, and they're happy about it. They seem very satisfied. There, there, there's an there's unbelievable music in their life that I'm not hearing, but they must hear. That's how the world's changed, and Marva Dawn talks in the Czech Republic under a communist regime. The playwright and their president, Vaclav Havel, was once asked why the Velvet Revolution against the communists in the form of Czechoslovakia, Czechoslovakia was so successful and nonviolent. Havel answered some like, somewhat like this. He said, we had, a, we had our parallel society. And in that parallel society, we we wrote our plays and sang our songs and read our poems until we knew the truth so well that we could go out to the streets of Prague and say, we don't believe your lies anymore, and communism fell. That's what Christians are to be to light. We, we read the Bible. We hear the truth of the gospel. We let it sing so much in us that we can walk out into the culture and say, I don't believe your lies about sex anymore. I don't believe your lies about how to live in your life. And people will say, you're right. These are lies. It's not true. What you have is so much better. What do you have? And we share with them Jesus. We give them light. A couple of weeks ago, we were at the youth camp out And it was dark and cold, and we needed flashlights. And so I brought one of these headlamps, and when when it was dark and when the light was out, it didn't do anybody any good, and I'd turn it on, and the beam would go straight out, and everybody would say, hey, Paul, get it out of my eyes. that, that, That wasn't any good either. But then I would tilt it down, and it would expose my feet and expose the person next to me's feet, and we can walk. Or I could look at them, and we could talk, and we could see without their eyes getting blasted. That's what Christianity is supposed to be. Some of us have let the light just go out. Nobody knows there's any difference in us. The light's not shining in you. Some of you might be so blasting people, and it's so bright that nobody can hear you because it's so much in their eyes. And what we're called to do is just dim it down to ourselves. We, we are in this together. Let it expose ourselves, our sin. And let us see how we deal with it. And people will see that and say, wow, I can see something too. I, I can see something as well. We're, we're to be prisms of God's grace in us, reflecting it to other people. Max Lucato Max tells a story about power went out, like some of you had the power go out this past week for hours. He made up this tale. He went, he went into the, find some candles to light and went to get the candles and the candles started talking and they didn't want to light. And they had all these reasons for why they didn't want to light. And they told him I, all these ex- excuses and he comes back out and tells his wife, he says, hey, these candles, did not I, I, I went to get the candles to get some light in here and the, the candles didn't want to light. And his wife said, oh, those are church candles I bought. It's funny. But it's often for us if we're not careful too true. How do you keep your feet? We Walk in the light. We practice the conduct of grace with each other. If you're struggling in some kind of sexual struggle, immorality, immorality, don't hide it. This is where we expose it. And Jesus says we give grace and we learn and we grow together. It's how we grow up. And we give each other and we're prisms of grace for each other. So we all struggle in these areas that God calls us to, but we're called to be light. That's why he says, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, he says, arise, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine on you. it's, It's a good call for us. Listen, if you're sleeping spiritually, if you've let your feet slide, this verse is not yelling at you. It's just saying, awake. It's God who loves you. Say, hey, wake up. Wake up, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine for you. Repentance and faith is the walk of the Christian. Mercy and grace is what God gives us, and it's because of Christ. It's because that Jesus gave his life on the cross for us, took all our sin and guilt, suffered and died so that we can have hope and we can have grace and forgiveness and repentance and life and light and a complexion of joy that the world will see and say, I-, I know they struggle. They're like me, but they're not like me. There's something in them that is so different, so radical, it's what I want. But we got to shine it as light. a so Cornerstone, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise.